Coming up, I've got my shocking stat of the week. I've also got a Goofy Award, and I was thinking during the break that it may really set some people on fire, uh, this one, because any time you point out the emperor has no clothes, it comes back to the opening comment I made today. There's two types of people thinking about all of these issues. One that think it's enough to be posing, enough to say the right things. There's others who demand doing something about it. Well, as I say, the uh, the former group, rather, is not going to be very happy with my Goofy Award this week. But let's talk about the markets. An incredible week that's just gone by. As Michael Levy chronicled earlier, yeah, Europe started off weak, finishes strong. North American markets were strong generally throughout the week. Uh, There's more to talk about on the world of gold. Who better to chat with than the guy who's been Timer's Digest, Timer of the Year. He's also been Gold Market Timer of the Year, Bond Market Timer of the Year, Long Term Timer of the Year in the stock market. Mark Leibovitz joins me now from VR Trader. Mark, appreciate you finding time for us this weekend. Anytime, Mike. Thanks for having me. Great. Let's let's start with. Uh, I think most people would have had an expectation after Paris attacks on Friday, uh, and the tragedies there, and then the heightened security, et cetera, all the aftermath, the further uh, raids, et cetera. Would have thought the market wouldn't like that information. You know, would have at least had some sort of negative response to it. And yet, we just had one of the strongest weeks in months. Unfortunately, uh, I wrote about this in a newsletter, Mike, you know, the uh, market seems to like war. You know, many of the uh, defense stocks were doing really well this past week. Uh, We find almost that when the worst news hits, this is when the market rallies. Um, It's been climbing a wall of worry, Mike, as you know, since 2009. I mean, the worst news, an economic environment, and not so much political as we saw this past week, geopolitical. But it's, you know, it's frustrating if you're a fundamental person or a common sense person. And this is why you have to look at the market versus the uh, world events or, in the case of companies, the stock versus uh, what's actually happening at the company. Because we see these divergences so many times and you get caught into, you know, really going into the wrong direction. So you just got to go with the charts and, and, and the tape action. If the market tells you it's going to rally in the face of bad news, it's telling you what it wants to do regardless of that news. So, I mean, that's really the bottom line. I mean, it's uh, a wall of worry issue. I'm, you know, I, I can find a lot of reasons why the market should go down. We can talk about, you know, the economics here in the U.S. You know, we know what they are in Canada with the oil being depressed. We know that here in the U.S. the household spending is down, retail sales are down, wages are down, disposable income, all those fundamental things. And in Europe, look at Germany, negative interest rates this past week when they sold bonds there. Um, you know, the world's in trouble, both economically, but yet the market goes up. So, you know, the market is rigged. Michael, we've talked about this. I write about it in my letter. The Fed keeps interest rates low. Here in the U.S., you've got the Plunge Protection Team and the Exchange Stabilization Fund, and you've got to follow the tape. Now, you know, being a pure chartist, you know, I'm unhappy that the Dow Transports is underperformed. The mid-cap 400 has underperformed. The Russell 2000 is underperformed. You're seeing it mostly in the Dow. Even the Dow hasn't made new highs yet. Uh, the total stock market index is underperformed. So, you know, we haven't really broken out, and maybe this is just a nice rally and we'll still pull back here. But uh, the tape's saying that the market, you know, wants to stay strong. And you and I know we have seasonality positives this time of the year. Uh, we were looking for a September-October low. We sure got it. actually came in August 24th. And, you know, seasonality says you can be strong until next April, May, just on historicals comparisons so uh yeah i mean i guess you got to give the market the benefit of the doubt and if i get a trading sell signal then uh, i'll act accordingly 
It's so interesting. There's so many things to come back to on what you've just said, Mark. One is I want people to note that in any kind of market environment, it's easy to come up with reasons why it's doing that. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter if the market had fallen this week, we would have had a whole bunch of reasons ready to go. Uh, market rises. There's always this disagreement. So I'm fascinated that I, I'm very happy that people are hearing you, Mark, say, no, well, what did the market tell us today? The market has told us the same thing since March of 09, uh, which is I want to go up. And uh, while this was a, obviously a horrific, tragic event, we've had other not necessarily tragic, but very clear signals it should go down and it hasn't taken them up for any long periods of time. I mean, it's not only the markets going up a mark, but it's really refused to have any significant correction for ages now. Yeah, except for the washout we said we saw yeah, in August. In, in yeah, August but yeah. yeah, but that, that was predictable. We, you know, in fact, we wrote about it. Our forecast model said watch out for that mid-year sell-off. And, you know, uh, historically, we've seen these September-October pullbacks. I mean, the financial press jokes about it. Oh, a sell may go away doesn't work, or a bad October doesn't work. In this case, it came a little earlier. These seasonality patterns or these cyclical patterns always seem to play out over the years, so you just have to be aware of those. And the market just seems to be conforming to a, you know, a normal situation. I mean, frankly, if things are really that bad out there, which appears to be the case, the powers that be have to get this market up. They have to distract investors. I mean, the worst thing that could happen is another market crash. That complicates things even more. So I'm wondering if the Fed's going to do anything in mid-December. You know, we've been talking, talking and joking about this all year. They're so, we're all so convinced that rates are going up in uh, mid-December. Maybe they go up a quarter point. Maybe not. You know, maybe an outlier events like we saw this past week will force them to, to uh, you know, stay they pat and not did not do anything. Of course, the markets will love that. They'll take off again if uh, the Fed decides not to do anything with rates. So, um, you know, I guess just the bottom line is you got to follow the patterns, and uh, the patterns say that. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I wrote about this, Mike. You know, who knows? It's the Dow could be thirty, forty thousand in the next three, four, five years. On no logical basis other than money has no place to go, rates are low, money's coming in from overseas. But all the things that are going on with the world economy so bad, they're finding place in the U.S. market. The U.S. dollar has been strong. Um, it's just illogical, but you've got to play the game. Yeah, but I think you've just outlined the very reasons we've been saying on Money Talks since March of 2009 that uh, we felt that overall the market was going to form new highs. And I'm, see, I'm actually in that camp, Mark that says all the things you just alluded to. Where else is money going to go? Money's going to come out of Europe way before it goes into Europe. Money's going to come out of Japan. Uh, money's coming out of the emerging markets, and it's all headed for the U.S. In my opinion, that's one of the reasons that gold has not moved is because when it, you know the gold people are outlining all the right reasons but the, what they've not looked at is the chart, first of all. But secondly, they haven't looked at the fact that, yeah, the response to those things, geopolitical, economic, that kind of stuff, has been, let's go to the U.S. dollar. And, and I still think that's what's in play here. I agree. I mean, you know, I, I would never have guessed uh, on a fundamental basis this would have happened. I'd expect a weaker dollar. Of course, the bull market we saw before the crash in 2007 and eight, the market liked a weak dollar, and the weak dollar, I guess, was commodity-driven, too, but, uh, or the other way around. Mm -hmm. The weak dollar helped commodities, but, you know, the, for many years I was writing the, the stock market likes a weak dollar. Now it's going the other way. 
for the, because the, the world economy has turned south, and uh, we have all these other geopolitical events, I suppose. You know, this is why you just can't have rules up on the wall, like bonds up, stocks down, gold down, stocks up, or vice versa. You've got to follow each market separately, see what the charts are saying, see how the market's reacting to it, because you get caught in these rules, like I got, you know, theoretically caught in a rule that says, you know, weak dollar is good for stocks. Well, we learned just the opposite could happen now. That's why you've got to watch the tape and see how the market's responding. So I can give you all the reasons why the market should sell off into year-end, and I guess on a trading basis, if we get some signals, we'll act accordingly, because like I say, we are getting some divergences here. You're not seeing all the mm-hmm. major indices confirmed, but you know that could change, and I guess you've got to give the market the benefit of the doubt, because it's telling you it doesn't want to go down. Uh, I, we've got to take a break very shortly, but I also don't want to leave this section without uh, alluding to what you, you've said earlier, which is this is uh, much more Dow Jones driven. I mean, we can both name lots of groups like the base metal sector, the precious metal sector, the oil sector, the biotechs, uh, 3D printing sector. All of those have been in really significant corrections. Uh, as you said, the, Russia, uh, the Russell 2000 hasn't really followed. So that's an important thing that we're, you know, we're talking about this broad index, uh, 35 whatever it is, stocks and the Dow Jones and the S&P has been doing okay. But uh, again, let's not, as you alluded to and reminded us, let's not forget there are groups within this broad market that are getting killed. So, you know, it, it's, it's just generalizations we're talking at this point. Mike, it's financial engineering. I mean, real quickly, yeah. I mean, look what happened on, I think it was Thursday or Friday. Nike comes out with strong earnings and so forth, but what they do is they spend most of their money uh, buying back their own uh, shares, yeah. and this has been the case for uh, most of the big stocks here in the last five, six years. Reduce the float, inflate the earnings on paper, whether the companies are doing good or not. So we can talk about all the little manipulations related to financial engineering, but it's definitely been going on. Well, we will be talking about with Mark Leavitt more on this. Well, the other financial engineering is every time there's a hiccup, you've got a central banker saying, be careful, we're going to do a lot more. And, you know, Mario Draghi was this week's. But i got to talk about gold with Mark Leavitt. He's been gold market timer of the year. I've got to talk about the oil market, what he sees in that. It has it broken down again. It dipped under $40. Uh, you know, that's not the low, but is he sort of sniffing that one out? Uh, so we'll check in with all of those things. Interest rates, uh, the bond market, rather, with Mark Leavitt. Go to VR. VRTrader.com, VRTrader.com. You can also get the Vice newsletter there called uh, Vice News Raw. Great stuff where he follows. uh, He was the first guy to say, you know what? There's going to be money to be made in the cannabis sector, especially in the support stocks. Uh, the suppliers, etc., plus other Vice stocks. So he's got the Vice News Raw, all of that with Mark Leavitt. When we come back, uh, you're listening to Money Talks on the big NL and Kamloops. Uh, you're joining us on Ched 630 and CKNW in Vancouver. I've got a straightforward, shocking stat of the week, but I think you'll be shocked. Also, I've got a goofy award. I've got uh, Ozzy Jurek. What about affordability? Has that been an overplayed? Well, I'll ask him about that. Victor Dare is live from the trading desk, but right now, Mark Leibovit, vrtrader.com. Go to vrtrader.com. Uh, Mark, before the break, we were talking about the stock market. I just want to make sure we get to touch on several other markets uh, before we go here. Uh, let's talk gold for a moment here. Uh, to me, it was a very, you're looking at the charts. I, I just looking at that fundamental news for a moment, and I thought, you know, gold couldn't rally coming out of the Paris uh, tragedies and, and the ongoing Paris tragedies now in Belgium today. But, uh, you know, I'm telling you, if it can't rally in that, I think it's another clear sign that every time you look, you think it could mount momentum, it's clearly not doing it. 
Well, it's very frustrating. I mean, I'm, I'm not selling the coins in the vault, you know, Mike. I mean, I've kept those. I've been buying them, you know, when gold was four or $500, ran it up. You know, I did a little trading, but, you know, I always feel like you have to have a hedge out there. It is disappointing, you know, if you're looking for that big move, and you're right, it's not acting the way you would think it should act. Um, technically, it's way oversold here. I mean, I'm looking at the chart. I mean, you get a $100, $200 rally just technically with the way it's down so much. But, uh, you know, we'll trade it and we'll act accordingly. But there is some measurements that say if it, you know, could get down about 1030 and maybe 980 the way it's now acting. So if it continues weak, that would be the next set of target ranges that I'd be looking at. At the same time, you know, I'm not shorting it here. It's just not, you know, high enough or comfortable enough for me to do that, even though I could see it moving lower. I guess if we get a 100 or 200 point rally and then it reverses, I might play for the downside so here i'm just sort of uh you know trading and neutral but i could see it moving down to that 980 1030 range the way the tape seems to be acting over the next few months but i wouldn't be surprised if you get a bounce because it is oversold here so if i get a little trading buy here i'm inclined to jump in just for a trade because if it's oversold the uh, state regardless of what the news is i'm just looking at the chart that's all i'm saying it to you at the moment well, uh, just clearly, I mean, every, I hope, uh, well, if you don't appreciate this, uh, you know, all commodities are measured in U.S. dollars. It's the strength in the U.S. dollar. So just a reminder, in terms of Canadian dollars, gold hasn't performed near as badly. I mean, it's 30% higher than it was two years ago, basically, because of the fall in the Canadian dollar. So I'm just letting you know you're listening uh, maybe today and uh, Radio NL and Kamloops, for example. Hey, gold hasn't fallen the same degree. Why? Because it's measured in U.S. dollars and the Canadian dollars fallen more. So in Canadian dollar terms, we're at the fifteen hundred dollar level or whatever it is. Yeah, so good, uh, good just a reminder of that. Fall. Yeah. Yeah, good point, Mike. Because if you're a foreigner, it's a whole different story. If you're, if you're, you know, if you're in tr- trading it in yen or you're trading it in other yeah. currencies, it's a whole different story. Absolutely. Yeah, one of my favorite markets to have gold in. Uh, it's just simply because I think the yen's such a stinker, and we've been talking about that for over two years on Money Talks. I think the yen's such a stinker is, is to own gold and short the yen, you know, and then you'll be okay, you know, in that. Right. But just a reminder in that. But but other commodities, I mean, obviously oil is a big one here because there's a little different, by the way, with our oil. Because we have trouble getting it to international markets, now we always talk about the West Texas inter, uh, Intermediate, you know, being, say, today at $41. But, hey, the Canada Select doesn't quite get that same boom from being in Canadian dollars. Why? Because we have such a discount on that already, you know, whatever that is, around 30 bucks or something. But let's go to the oil market, and we're talking in U.S. dollar terms. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, there are mixed measurements here. You know, basically, crude oil has been a great little trading vehicle. If you're just looking for, you know, a few-day trades back and forth, you get, you know, some negative volume. It's down four or five days. Positive, it's up three, four days. So if you're a trader, you're using my little volume reversal, you know, trading strategy, you can make some money there. But in terms of the trend, I mean, there's still some unfulfilled, you know, down signals, I would say, in the 33 to $38 a barrel range. So, I mean, I could see it easily... Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, getting down to those levels, Mike. So that would be, you know, I, I get a near-term forecast for it. And, you know, again, if I get a little trading signal, we might try to play a bounce. But there's a question about the trend still being lower. And, you know, seeing it down in the low 30s wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I, I mean, we've been very clear on that on Money Talks. Joseph Schachter uh, at the World Outlook Conference uh, in 2000. I got to do these things quickly off the top of my head. 2014 was very clear at over 100 bucks that it was going to take a tanking. We've been saying that on Money Talks ever since, and the, and I don't see anything that says, uh, you know, I mean, obviously the next low, I guess, Mark, you would look in the chart and say, hey, what was that low going back a few months? It'd be 37 dollars, but uh, I think that's my guess is that's broken. The charts will tell me, but man, you get below that, I mean, it's it's sort of free fall back to the December 2008 lows of what, what is it, 32, 34 bucks. 
Right. Well, we got to follow the trend uh, here. You know, until the trend changes, it's pretty clear when you look at the picture up on the screen here. So when it reverses and we start seeing the volume come in and it starts posting higher highs and lower lows, and we see a little bit of a bottom come in, then we'll know to jump in. You don't have to pick the exact low to make money, so we're going to wait for that. But you know, definitely, it's just trading back and forth here. You know, 48 to 40, then from 40 to 45, and just keeps going back and forth. So there are some trades, but I think I think you will see lower prices. Uh, you know, in your work, though, you do, as you say, here's a trade opportunity. You do it on a daily basis for your subscribers at vrtrader.com. But uh, then you also look at, uh, you know, the long term. And do you see any markets looking even close to reversing their major trend? And it doesn't matter if it's oil's downtrend or it's uh, the Dow Jones uptrend. Do you see anything even close to reversing at this point, the, the sort of major trends we've been involved with for several years? Um, you know, the only one that would come close would might be the bond market because we've had so many years of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, low, lower interest rates, but that, yeah, that's possible. But I'm still, you know, more neutral to positive on bonds because, uh, of world events and the negative interest rates we're seeing overseas. But that's the one that for, you know, 30 years has been basically, you know, interest rates have been coming down and in terms of a big picture change. I guess that's the one that you got to keep an eye on. I'm not calling for that just yet, but, you know, obviously the bonds are not, at the best levels that they've been, but uh, by the same token, I'm not ready to throw in the towel and say we couldn't still see bonds as a decent investment. I mean, if, if what happens in Europe happens in, on this side of the uh, pond, uh, bonds could be the greatest investment uh, of the day. I mean, imagine if rates uh, turn negative here in the uh, U.S. or Canada. If it, ha- it happened overseas and happened in a big industrial company like Germany, why couldn't it happen here? So, we, you know, we just can't look in that crystal ball and see every, you know, every forecast come true but at the moment uh you know a negative result could result in a strong bond market but that's the one i'm watching that could be the possible big reversal one at the moment all the other trends still seem to be in place uh, for the time being mike well mark uh, we appreciate so much of finding time for us on the weekend great advice and again as uh, one of the messages i hope came loud and clear and your success has come from saying you know what, I got my opinions, but the market is the ultimate judge on how good those are. You look at the market, it uh, you know, gives off some clear message, then you get the points, as you say, in the bond market you're watching a little more closely, and then you've got your regular trading, which you report on a daily basis to your subscribers. Mark, thanks for taking the time. Looking forward to seeing you up at the World Outlook Conference, Mike. Thank you. Great stuff, Mark Leibovit. i got to take a break. i got a shocking stat for you, by the way, so stay tuned for that one. Also, Mark just mentioned the World Outlook Conference. Go to moneytalks.net. Just before the break, I alluded to Mark Leibovit World Outlook Conference coming up January 29th, the 30th. By the way, it starts on Friday with a real estate conference hosted by Aussie Jurica. Very pleased to have Jeff Olin join me coming up from that terrific track record there. Uh, but January 29th, that'll be the real estate. Then we follow in the evening with the beginning of the World Outlook Conference. So uh, all, all sorts of stuff. I hope you take time to join us. I'm very proud of the track record there, the various people who've come, whether it's our small cap portfolio that's done exceptionally well, which we present every year there with Ryan Irvine of Keystocks Financial. Uh, whether it's Aussie's recommendations uh, down in the States, which have proven to be gold. I mean, literally, you've got a 30% jump in the Canadian dollar excuse me, and a big rise in real estate at the same time. So that's all at the World Outlook Conference. Lots of bonuses, though, this year. Uh, Keystone's going to do their 2016 Breakthrough Small Cap Special Report. 
uh, they've reviewed, what, 3,000 Canadian companies, uh, all sorts of great stuff. That's a report that normally costs $599. Uh, that'll be given to people who book the VIP ticket package, which sold out last year. But you've got eight weeks of Aussies, facts by facts. Anyways, the bottom line is this. That's the 29th to 30th. We also still have uh, the program where if you come, you can bring a student or a young person. We're so committed to that, uh, trying to really get uh, the younger generations, the millennials, you know, if you're under 30 or what have you, but it, we want you to come. We want you to learn about this stuff. There's nowhere else to do it. Uh, certainly not in the formal education system unless you're in commerce at a, a university. Bottom line, the World Outlook Conference, January 29th and 30th. Go to moneytalks.net, click on the events. Uh, it'll be well worth your while. Sold out last year, very pleased about that. Time now for this week's shocking stat of the week. I was reminiscing, remember the good old days when uh, NDP stalwart Stephen Lewis famously called government handouts for business corporate welfare? My, how things have changed. Now we got every party endorsing corporate welfare. Just look at what happened when the General Motors bailout and the Chrysler bailout, I think it was 2009. Man, all three parties couldn't push hard enough for what was it, 13 billion tax dollars for the two big U.S. automakers? But we see it all the time. And keep in mind, corporate welfare simply takes money from individuals and successful businesses and gives it to ones that aren't doing well, which is why the overall impact economically is usually negative. Uh, one of the key commonalities to all the cases of corporate handouts is that private sector investors want nothing to do with it. So that all brings me to this week's shocking stat. You've probably been hearing in the news, reading in the news, Bombardier, who's been a regular recipient of government money was asking for more. In fact, they just got $1.5 billion from uh, big Quebec pension fund manager Case de Depot. But here's the thing. In the past, them and companies they've purchased uh, have got already $2.2 billion in tax dollars in one form or another. But here's my shocking stat. When they came for more money over the last month, it was the 82nd time. I knew they'd been there. But my goodness gracious, number 82 was this time. That's the part that blew me away. It all started in 1966. Maybe you weren't even born then. My goodness, the Beatles had just burst on the scene about a year and a half earlier. But 1966, the first time, 82, time, second time. You want to bet me there's going to be an 83rd? Just wait and see. That's my shocking stat. I'll take a break. I'll come back. Hey, has all this stuff about housing affordability, especially in big markets like Vancouver, been overdone? Well, let's talk about some of the contributing factors. We'll also give you some hot properties with Ozzy Jurek. We, we come back on the big Money Talk show. If you're listening today, some uh, 1070 CFAX in Victoria. Glad you're with us. Glad you're with us in uh, Vancouver and CKNW. All of that coming up next. I'm sitting here thinking, my Goofy Award today may be the most unpopular one I've ever done. I didn't review all they've done over the years, but this one will certainly be right up there. It's going to be a short list with people mad at me, so stay tuned for that one. Victor Dare on deck, live from the trading desk right now, though. Ozzy Jurek joins me. Uh, Ozzy, uh, a couple of things I want to get to here is one we hear a ton about 
affordability. Uh, you know, obviously that's focused in the Toronto and the Vancouver market. Uh, let's just start with that, though. Uh, I mean, I'm reading about the average house price in Greater Vancouver is like that's single detached, though, at about nine hundred forty-seven thousand dollars. Yeah, no question. In Toronto, it, it, the average is around six fifty, but if you go to the four one six area code, it's also over nine hundred thousand. But the crazy thing is, we'll always focus on those two markets and saying how expensive it is. But our national average price was just over three hundred thirty-nine thousand. So, really, in reality, is that in most markets in Canada, the affordability factor is totally different. Yeah, but I'm looking at Vancouver. I mean, this is a, you've been around. I mean, you you headed up two major real estate companies well before uh, you started Juroc.com, which is of course independent analysis. I mean, you were a realtor for goodness sakes. I mean, you must be 200 years old the way I'm describing that, by the way. <laughs> but you know, the bottom line is this: though. is it when has it ever been affordable in Vancouver? I mean, hasn't that been a regular complaint? Is it on some sort of cycle of every eight years that becomes a story? I tell you, Mike, you're right. For 40 years, I heard three things. One was there's too many realtors in the business. Number two, young people can no longer afford it. And number three was I wish I bought five years ago. You know, every <laughs> year somebody says that to, to me. But, you know, if you want to live downtown, well, sorry, you've got to rent if you can't afford it or to ask dad for help, you know. And mm-hmm. it's been that way for over 30 years. We have had to have over 60% of our income uh, used on our mortgage payments. That's life. Uh, by the way, that's life in London and Hong Hong Kong and New York, and I'm sorry we're in that league, but, but that's reality. But there are many areas you can go on the lower mainland or maybe 30 minutes from downtown where you are much more affordable than that. Well, I'm going to ask you also about uh, Victoria and Calgary and Edmonton in a second, but I want you to go further on that very quickly. I mean, okay, so you're say, it's easy to say, but you know, let's say you're you know, 30 minutes away from downtown. What are we talking well, we, we have our five favorite uh, suburbs, but let's say take Port Moody. No bridges, uh, three ways to get there, you know, via Hastings and via the, the freeway. Take a two-bedroom older condo in a Newport Village area. You and I have talked about that for five years. It's a great little area, $300,000. If you take a mortgage of 280000 you come up with about a 15000 down payment. Your monthly payment is over $1,270. That's cheaper than rent. Mm-hmm. And if you go over the rest of BC, you go in Kelowna, there's the average price is now 260 for a condo. Well, with 5% down or $13,000 and a 2.7% mortgage, it's 1120 a month. And whether it's Vernon at 200000 for the average condo or Salmon Arm at 220, and in fact, there's over 100 communities where you buy a condo under $100,000. So that's certainly very affordable. Okay, let's jump to Alberta for a second. I'll come back to Victoria in a sec, but let's jump to Alberta. Let's start with Calgary. Well, Calgary, the average price actually went down last year from 564 a house to 519, and a condo from 323 to 318. If you take that average condo in Calgary at 318,000, we're talking a major city, or the $320,000 single-family home in Grand Prairie, which is a great living town, 5% down, $15,000, your monthly payment at $1,350. And in Edmonton, your single-family home that's now down to 430000 your payment is about 1800 Now we're talking with minimum 5% down payment. Most, most people have a little more than that. Okay, one more. Just Victoria, if you don't mind. Victoria, we have 335000 the average price for a condo. Uh, Single-family home is now getting there at seven hundred two. But that's $335,000 condo with fifteen to 20000 down, ocean views and all that wonderful environment that old Grand Dam Victoria has. The monthly mm-hmm. payment is just around $1,500. It's certainly affordable. 
Yeah. So obviously, it, I mean, it's some, not a big shock, but it's depending where you're going. Uh, you know, it's just that the market or the analysis of the market gets dominated so much by Vancouver and Toronto. There's a different story. I'm hearing that loud and clear when you go outside of those things. Uh, but speaking of different markets, by the way, I was impressed because I just threw that Victoria out of left field at you just to test you. <laughs> I love Victoria, as you know. I mean, I'm a yeah. monster fan there. Uh, hot properties. Well, if you look at the hot properties, uh, we always sort of pick one, but uh, a lot of people still keep asking me, are there still any auctions in the United States? And yes, you can go into many places, and I tell you, one of our members just bought a 20-seat apartment building in Arkansas for $22,000. Now, that's an unusual thing, but there are sites you can go to and do an online auction, and the big one is auction.com forward slash all and then you type in behind that the, the state that you want and in Arizona right now they have it there's a this always shows the debt owing is 188,000 all the pictures are there really a nice looking house Mike three bedroom two bathroom opening bid 65,000 there's another one at 212,000 which is going to be auctioned off November 27 opening bid 55,000 and so on I don't know what they'll end up getting up for but it'd be interesting for somebody to sit by their computer and watch it so in our newsletter this week we have a number of those specific sites where you can participate even long distance you know what we're going to talk more about that one that sounds interesting just generally about uh, you know the do's and don'ts and how often you get them make it a little bit of a hobby action there uh, so that's www.auction.com slash all and then slash whatever state you want yeah like go to the, the arizona yeah. just put az you know do they yeah. do the abbreviation yeah Good stuff. We'll talk more about auctions online with Real Estate in the States with Ozzy Jurek. But for now, Ozzy, I'm really looking forward to uh, what you're doing at the World Outlook Conference. We should have done it a long time ago. Ozzy Jurek's hosting, uh, you know, the right kicking off everything there at about, I forget what time it is. I think it's 1 o'clock on Friday the 29th. I'll give you the specific date. But uh, Jeff Olin's coming in too, other presenters there. Uh, but Ozzy's the one who's going to host that. Uh, tell you, give the loud lowdown rather on what's going on with Ozzy Jurek. Uh, going to be a great addition to the World Outlook Conference, and I appreciate your time and help with that, Ozzy. Well, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because I like your new idea that it's not just the forecasting and the snapshotting, but what exactly is a REIT? What exactly is a joint venture? What should I watch out for in a limited partnership? Which are in short, concise, and precise uh, information that you can then make a decision on what, which one of those products you should be buying. Yeah, great stuff. Just for tickets, by the way, go to World Outlook Conference. Well, actually, you can go to moneytalks.net, then click on the event button. It's all right there. And uh, uh, great stuff with Ozzy. Have a great weekend, Ozzy. Thanks, Mike. And Spend it too. thinking about what Christmas gift you want to get me again this year. <laughs> it's always a German theme with Ozzy. Everybody should know that. It's always a German theme. Still enjoying that sausage from last year. Ozzy Jurek, ladies and gentlemen, Jurek.com. Mike, though, that you're, you're absolutely unique. You know that. But just like everybody else. Ozzy <laughs> Jurek, we come back live from the trading desk, Victor Dare, and it's a goofy award that's bound to get me on somebody's naughty list as we come to Christmas. Victor joined, uh, Victor Dare rather joins me live from the trading desk, a goofy coming up. Vic, I want to start with the energy market. I mean, last week you said you were standing aside. Uh, doesn't you know the major trends were still in place? I think you were proven right on that. But man, that energy market sure not having any fun. Uh, no, it's not, Mike. I mean, we had the uh, the front month crude oil uh, trade below uh, forty dollars uh, this this week. Uh, I mean, back just as uh, how long is it ago? It's not quite three weeks ago. That market was trading at forty eight dollars. So the crude oil market, the WTI market, down eighteen percent here during the month of uh, 
November. That's from the high to the low. Natural gas this past week was down 10% on the week. And i got to tell you, you know, coal and uranium have also taken a heck of a beating. So it's not just crude, but crude gets the spotlight. All of the energy markets have really been clobbered here the last year or so. And, and in some cases, you go back to 2011, it's been nothing but a downtrend since then. It seemed, and, and Mike, at the same time, i gotta, I got to look at this. I see uh, some of the data that we follow that shows me that people have still been trying to pick a bottom to this market. And I think there's the risk that those folks may throw in the towel and we get another leg down, and that might be some kind of an end to this uh, relentless pressure to the downside. Yeah, I, I hope people listen closely to that. It's great advice when people just sort of throw in the towel and say, hey, I give up on this one. I mean, look at the metals, for goodness sakes. Wow. <laughs> you know, that's all I can say when I look at, you know, price movements like copper. Yeah, no, I, to, to be on the other, just to, you know, get all the cards on the table, as it were, energy stocks have been outperforming energy itself. And I Mm -hmm. think maybe that's, again, a bottom picker thing people are looking at and saying, these stocks have been absolutely clobbered. They're the cheapest thing on the board. You know, some of the other sectors of the market stocks have done really well, and you've made money on that, and you're looking around and say, hey, I want to take some money away from what's done really well and put it into something that's a bargain. Gosh, you know, look at the whole resource sector, the whole material sector, metals, energy. So I think there's been some bottom pickers going to that market. And that's a you know it's it's a wonderful thing to pick a bottom when you're right, but more often than right, more often than than not, uh, that's a, that's a tough trade to do. Yeah, it's the old catch a falling knife. Be careful of that one. You know, <laughs> or the piano, words like yeah. dead cat bounce. It, you know, this is what's been troublesome for people. Let, let me just sum up then, Vic. So what are you doing? I mean, you were sort of standing aside. You made some nice money last week in gold, Canadian dollar, etc. Are you still on the sidelines? Uh, I am. You know, I, I had a good run, I guess, from, uh, say, mid-October into uh, mid-November on the short side with Canadian dollar, gold, and crude oil. I felt as though the markets were overdone. You know, I, I heard you earlier in the show talking about the U.S. dollar when, uh, and how that's like the other side of the commodity trade when you were talking with uh, Mark Leibovit. The U.S. dollar right here is at 12-year highs. We're up about 7% in the last six weeks or so, you know, just, just scratching at the door, breaking out to new, new all-time highs. The Bloomberg Commodity Index, 16-year lows. It just seemed as though maybe it's overdone, and I think that's part of the thinking that those bottom mm-hmm. pickers have when they jump in here and try to catch the falling piano. But we had a little bit of a bounce. I mean, gold bounced 20 bucks, couldn't hold it, gave it all back up. Canadian dollars really been in a half-cent range the last three weeks. And crude oil looked like maybe it was going to be steady earlier in the week and then slumped off late in the week. This trend has been relentless. My key point, I think, is even though I've taken profits on my short short positions, I do not want to be a buyer. Well, we'll leave you with that. Victor Dare, victordare.com. Uh, thanks, Victor. Uh, my thanks to Victor, of course. My thanks also to Ozzy Jurek, Mark Leibovit, Michael Levy. Money Talks is brought to you by Solera Club. Solera Club is a in the tech field, but it's a royalty-based investment, which means you get paid first as investor, no fees attached. Go for more information to soleraclub.com. Let's get to the Goofy Award. Uh, when 17 people were killed by terrorist attacks in Paris in January, including at the you know the offices of satirical magazine Charlie Hebdo, uh, we paid lip service to free speech. I mean, people throughout the Western world mourned. Only the Western world, by the way. Let's note that. Uh, but, you know, we, we ignore completely. How long did that last? We have an aggressive attack on free speech, more evident than ever. Look what's gone on at Yale, Missouri, Amherst College recently. That's not my goofy today. 
But the evidence is overwhelming that curtailment of free speech isn't a hot topic, you know, in Canada in general. But I think the reaction to the murders of Charlie Hebdo was a clear reflection of Western society. It was posing. It was posturing. But when the rubber hit the road, no action. No hit, uh, pushback against the very specific efforts to curtail free speech. That's the background for today's Goofy. Like everybody else, I sat horrified at the latest attack in Paris. I got three children of the same age group as the majority of those massacred. I haven't stopped thinking about the friends, the families left behind. On that level, I understood the grief shown around the world, but the public display started to ring hollow to me when I realized that. This is the part I'll get in trouble for pointing that out or suggesting that. Because that's as far as it goes. We're not prepared to do anything more. It reminds me of the observation of the head of Ipsos Reid, Daryl Bricker, in the aftermath of September 11th, when he said that Canadians were in favor of a war on terror as long as they didn't have to fight one. I think that's what's at the heart of uh, Defense Minister Sejan's statement that in the immediate aftermath, Canadians have nothing to fear. In other words, we don't have to do anything. What we're prepared to do is sing along with John Lennon's Imagine, pretending that we're actually doing something meaningful. This kind of public demonstration, when the key is, when we're not prepared to do more, I think is a perfect response from the selfie, the self-indulgent generation. It's look how much I care. It's generation who confuses symbolism with action. And we're going to be doing it right up until the time the best financed terror organization in history that's expanding and attracting followers in three continents, all with the expressed goal of eradicating the rest, We'll be doing it right up until they target Canada. And it's not going to be defeated by strains of kumbaya or high emotional IQs or singing verses of Imagine. P.S., by the way, where are the solidarity parades this time in Paris? Really interesting how we're getting used to all that's happening there. You know, yeah, I know. Even those people who send hate mails in response to this goofy will come to understand. The only question is how many more attacks before we understand that, as David Cameron, Francois Hollande has now stated, this is war. There's so much more to that, I know. Hey, the World Outlook Conference, go to moneytalks.net, get the daily business comment there, get anything you want to review on today's show, get the midweek report, and get your tickets to the World Outlook Conference. Thanks for listening.